Welcome to Stop Wanting Him Back and Find Someone Better, where I talk about my personal and my group coaching clients' experiences of healing our hearts, authentically falling in love with ourselves, and yes, finding someone better. I'm Claire the Heartbreak Coach. Let's take your love life and entire life to the next level. Welcome to episode 39, listener Q&A with my very close friend, Jamie McEwen, aka at Whole Life Gems. You've heard Jamie on three previous episodes. A really fun one we did was Bumble Schmumble. Mm-hmm. And I also loved our episode called What to Eat on a Broken Heart. She brought all of her gems of wisdom <laughs> to the episode. And I really wanted to bring Jamie today because uh, Jamie thinks I'm a hard ass Mm -hmm. and I know none of you agree. So Mm. that's... I'm going to make a lot of friends on this episode. They're like, that health coaching bullshit, whatever. This, this is what we need. Yeah. You guys really do need Jamie. (laughs) Um, I understand. Yes, I am a an Irish woman through and through and I'm all about the tough love. So we are going to just dive in and get started. Jane, would you like to say an official hello? Oh, hi, everyone. It's (laughs) great to be back with this awesome audience. And yeah, can't wait to defend you and, you know, play the devil's advocate against this one's tough love over here. I know. Well, I was starting to read the questions and I was like, I can't wait to rip this person a new asshole. And Jane With love. (laughs) Said it with love. A lot of love. (laughs) And then I was like, is that too harsh, James? You know, we're still here. You guys are still showing up. I'm on episode 39, got over 55,000 downloads. So got to be mm. doing something right, yeah. even with those facts. I respond really well to tough love. I mean, we're New Yorkers. Like, and we were also raised Catholic. Yeah. So, so it's like our love language. <laughs> but but yeah. I really do respond to t- uh, well to tough love as well. My two coaches, Stacey Bayman and Karen Gillen. Karen? Well, she's not necessarily tough. Stacy is tough. And Stacy's like, am I tough? Uh, yes, that's why I pay you the big bucks, girl. Karen isn't tough, tough. She's more just the straight shooter and says what you don't want to hear, but she delivers it in a really calm way. But yeah. I'm like, oh, that works. But she isn't afraid to say things that I don't want to hear or ask me the hard questions. And I think if you are choosing to invest in a coach, that that's what you are actually paying them for is to look at the hard and step up and move through the hard. Because if you were just hiring someone, a coach to hold your hand, Mm -hmm. then there'd be no growth. And yeah, I, I uh, definitely have a tough love approach and I'm going to own it. And it really is coming from a place of love. I love you guys so much. And I know you are going through it, but I also know that I indulged such a victim story for so long. Side note, I did read a meme recently where someone said, I'm over people saying, stop with your victim story. If you've been a victim of narcissistic abuse, and she went on that tangent, and I 100% agree. I do believe that I'm a victim or was a victim of narcissistic abuse. I'm talking about carrying your victim story with you for years and letting that dictate the rest of your life and letting it dictate how you show up in relationships, which then continues 
to help you attract that same kind of person. And even though I never attracted a narcissistic sociopath again, thank God, after my rock bottom relationship, episode five, check it out if you want to hear a little bit more about my story and you don't know it. I still attracted a lot of emotionally unavailable men because I was so fixated on what didn't work in my past and how unfair things were and how painful my love life was. And that is what I mean when I say stop with your victim story. Abuse is not okay. But even when you're labeling he's a narcissistic sociopath and I'm a victim of abuse, those are still thoughts, you guys. Even if you read a breakdown of the definition of a narcissistic sociopath, it's like reporting the news. I don't know who is a Trump supporter who isn't. I don't want to go down that road, but uh, my coach used it as a great example. There are a lot of naysayers about our current president. And if you're anti-Trump and hating what he's doing, right? If you're constantly just thinking all day, every day, oh my God, Trump is our president, Trump is our president, Trump is our president. It's technically a fact, yes, but it's something that your brain is fixating on that is making you feel miserable and scared and anxious all the time, right? So I still 100% believe that my rock bottom ex is a narcissistic sociopath, but I'm, I'm not charged about it the way I once was because I did the work. And I look at that, even though I think I was a victim of his abuse at the time, and even for a while afterwards, I now really do look at that story as my heroine story and this whole journey since then as my heroine story. So I want to be really clear because I actually totally agreed with that meme and I'm um, not exactly sure who said it, so I don't want to misquote, but 100%, if you are a victim to narcissistic abuse, that is not okay. And I am not negating that. I'm simply saying that you get to look at how you showed up and attracted that and heal that because that's all you have control over. And that is how you heal and grow. We can't change the other person. We can only change you. And it doesn't condone the behavior. It doesn't make your experience any less painful. It just is. And my work is very much about transforming that story. I was in therapy with my amazing therapist, Ashley Graber, who I've had on for a couple of episodes. I'm sure I'll bring her back and did tons of healing work through that. So I often get reach outs from people who are telling me about unhealed trauma from their past. And now they've attracted this kind of a partner and they haven't gone to therapy. And I will send them to therapy before I would continue to do any kind of coaching with them. So it's just that this is the specific work that I am currently doing. So just wanted to squeeze that in. Yeah. Also, what do you think about ascribing like I am statements, especially to the word like victim? Like I feel like language is really important. And when people carry things like it from the in the health world, when people say like I am like a diabetic, it's like, no, that's not who you are. And I think language is so powerful. And to get people away from making their identity this, like in your case, this victim story. I completely agree with that. Again, that person may always be a diabetic, right? right? But if they use that as their story to hold them back from being able to do things or, yeah, hold them back from any kind of growth and like, that's my story, so therefore I can't, I think it's detrimental yeah. to- because even changing it to like, I have diabetes turns it into something you can manage and like work through versus I am a, and that feels like you can never change that. I love that. You're pointing that out. I am versus I have. Yeah. Or I was or like this mm -hmm. happened to me versus mm -hmm. this is who I am. Because mm -hmm. a lot of things happen to us and we can't go back and change the past, but we can totally change like or we can prevent making that part of our identity that holds us back. 
Amen. Also, we didn't say who you are besides my dear friend. Jamie and I went to high school together. It's just that I assume everybody knows who you are. Uh, Jamie and I went to high school together. We now are uh, artsy-fartsy girls living in Los Angeles. And Jamie is an incredible health coach. She is a walking encyclopedia about all things natural and organic. And she is now officially an herbalist. Mm -hmm. And is there anything else you would like to add? No, just, you know, all things wellness, all things wellness. (laughs) And she has changed so much for me in terms of the products that I put on my body and put into my body. And of course I cheat and she yells at me and I yell at her about her love life too. She gets my tough love as well. So there's no cheating. It's just life. We're going to (laughs) segue into the tough love with listener questions. All right. So I'm not going to say people's names, so I'm just going to dive right in. This lovely listener says, I have been dating for about six months and can't seem to keep a connection going past a few weeks. I find the initial messaging slash early stage quite triggering, and I'm struggling to know whether to be super straightforward, message whatever I want, not play any games, or play things a bit cool, keep guys waiting a little bit, don't want to scare guys off, but the game playing feeds my anxiety. Thank you. You are so welcome. I actually think this is an excellent question. Yeah. Do you want to say anything first? I mean, I'll tell you my quick perspective from a very non-professional standpoint is I think with the right person, there is no game playing. Like there's, you could never say the wrong thing to the right person. And maybe you could never say the right thing to the wrong person is like something I always tell myself. So if you feel like you need to play games to keep someone interested, (laughs) then, you know, I just say move on quickly. And um, keep going. I love what you said. And I'm going to add, I agree with all of that. But I also think that you are going to attract anxiety-ridden situations when you are thinking anxiety-ridden thoughts. So you start out with saying, I can't seem to keep a connection going past a few weeks. So that's a story. And even if you have all the evidence to say, Claire, no, let me show you the exchanges. And they dropped off. Your brain is thinking this story. And so your result is going to be, you can't keep a connection that lasts more than a few weeks. You then go on to say, I find the initial messaging slash early stage quite triggering, right? I wonder why triggering. Well, I think what I'm hearing her say, hopefully I'm interpreting it accurately. What I'm hearing you say is that just that initial, you have thoughts that are making you feel triggered in this initial stage. Oh no, what do I say? I want to play a game. Is he interested? I'm not sure. Should I just delay my response? Mm, I can't tell. Is he sincere? Is he genuine? Like Mm. you're just having a flurry of of thoughts because then you go on to say exactly that, right? I'm struggling to know whether to be straightforward, message, whatever I want, not play any games, all of those things. So it's like your brain is just like, ah, what do I do? What do I do? The beginning stage is triggering. Yeah. Right. So you get to decide what you want to think about engaging with guys on dating apps. That starts with you. So the circumstance is online dating. Your thought is it's triggering in the beginning. You have other thoughts like, I don't know what to say. Maybe in one situation is, ooh, I should delay my response. Another situation is I'm going to be straightforward. Another situation is I don't want to play games. But the thought is I don't know what to do, right? And so when you're thinking, I don't know what to do, and you're trying to angle all the different ways, you feel 
anxious. You feel triggered. And then the action, I don't know what you do, but you're if you are engaging, you're responding from that anxious, triggered place. And he may not know because you might be like, hey, and he has no idea. But energetically, you're attracting that kind of dude. So it drops off because you're not being your authentic self. I'm imagining you're amazing because you follow Claire, the heartbreak coach, and you had a question that you wanted answered on the pod. So we already know you're amazing. <laughs> and you just wrote lovely things in this message. So I really want you to get clear on who you are and what thoughts you want to think, right? So then the result is you're not connecting with him with all these thoughts of, I don't know how to be, right? Because you're putting all your energy of how you should be and how you should show up based on what you think he wants, mm -hmm. right? So now your circumstance, and if you're thinking, I don't know if this is the first time that you're listening, I'm assuming not because you asked to get the question answered, but when I'm talking about circumstance and then you have a thought about the circumstance and that thought drives a feeling and the feeling drives an action and the action yields a response. This is Brooke Castillo's thought model called the model. And this is the main tool that I use in my coaching on myself that my coaches use with me that I use on my clients. Your thoughts create your results, right? So I just said that the circumstance was online dating and I, I just walked you through what your thoughts were that yielded you the result of short exchanges that don't go anywhere. So we're gonna move into a new intentional thought model for the same exact neutral circumstance. Online dating is totally neutral. Most single girls, I'm now creating a thought and a story myself, but a lot of single ladies, because I've been doing this for a while and I have been that girl, but... The current man that I'm dating, I did meet on an app. So I do believe this shit works. And I believe this shit worked before mm -hmm. I matched with him. This is just a totally neutral thing. And most single people are thinking the thought online dating sucks. They're mostly weird. They're mostly gross. They're mostly creepy. And so what is the result going to be? Unsatisfactory results. We all know someone who has had a success story online dating. And I think you're doing yourself such a disservice by not swiping online because this is literally at your fingertips. And if you can just accept that there are going to be weirdos, and I hate to get superficial, but we've all seen that really unattractive dude that you're just like, what are you doing? What are you wearing? I can smell, smell you, even though we're not in the same room. <laughs> You just look like you have BO, all of it, right? Or I can tell that you're lying about your height. We've all freaking been there. But that's just going to be par for the course. And can we stop giving a fuck about these quote unquote gross dudes, for lack of better words, and just keep focusing on your man? I've been talking so much about a belief man plan thinking thoughts that you would think if he was here. And that is what I was doing before I met, honestly, like, well, I'm not going to say too much, but really a fucking amazing dude. That is all I will say. Mm -hmm. And I really committed my brain to thinking thoughts I would think if this man arrived and he completely exceeded my expectations and took my manifestation, no pun, manifestation <laughs> to the next level. It, Jamie is just eye rolling my dorkiness. So this model, this new intentional model, that circumstance stays the same. We're going to skip the thought line. How do you want to feel about online dating instead of triggered and anxious? I would imagine you want to feel calm, confident, excited, curious, present, open, fearless, 
Anything else, Jane? Mm-hmm. I really like Curious. I was going to say that, too. It seems like from her comment, she's a little uncomfortable in uncertainty, which the beginning of relationships are always full of uncertainty. And that's mm-hmm. actually something I used to really struggle with is going into this like, oh, I don't know. What's he thinking? How do I feel? Is he going to am I going to hear from him again? And I really switched my mindset into curiosity and just being mm-hmm. like, I'm going out. I'm going to meet another human in this world. We'll see. And even if it's even if it ends up being, quote unquote, awful, at the, I mean, at the very worst, it's like a good story, you know? 100%. But yeah. And it shouldn't turn you off from being curious about the next person. Yeah. And also, all you have to do is show up and be yourself. And like I said earlier, the right person, there's nothing wrong that you could do or say for the mm-hmm. right person. And I've gone into a lot of online dating with curiosity and have met some really great guys and none turned out to be, you know, Mr. Right yet, but I've had successful relationships and it wasn't a struggle. I never was questioning how they felt or what I was saying. So when it flows, it flows. Yeah. I still would really encourage calm on top of curious for you because triggered and anxious Mm -hmm. is not serving you. And so what thoughts can you think to feel calm and curious? Well, Jamie just said it, like, I'm just going out to meet another human and that's it. Right. Or even when you're swiping, right? Or engaging, right? You're not even going out with the person yet. It's just like, I'm genuinely Mm -hmm. curious. How do you just want to show up? And I got to say, individual, I just think judge each situation individually. Mm -hmm. Like if some guy keeps dropping off in exchanges and I'm like interested in him, but then he circles back, I'm not going to jump every single time he like, you know, drops off after five hours and then comes back and we had been in an exchange and he doesn't acknowledge like, hey, sorry, I got interrupted or whatever. You've got to judge the situation. But that calm, curious girl who's present isn't questioning, right? She's just, I I get to show up how I want to show up in each unique situation. So I'm just here to meet somebody. And I also would, I would love to offer you as well, having competent thoughts about yourself. Mm. They don't have the power to make you feel triggered and anxious, right? So what's so amazing about you that you can own about yourself and really start believing that and being her and not giving these guys the power based on one thing that they say and questioning your own self? Like, how do I just want to show up? And I would imagine you want to show up the way you would want him to show up, right? So- Something along the lines of, I'm pretty awesome. And if I'm someone who's pretty awesome, I'm putting myself out there. There's got to be someone else who's pretty awesome. And another thought that I would say is, it's okay if he's not great or if it's okay if he drops off. Like, let's just show up and be present and curious and see where this could go. And no big deal if he drops off and if he wants to connect and get together, great. But you're giving these short exchanges so much power and creating a story about how that this is the way it goes. And these are the things that are happening outside of me. And they're not happening outside of you. They're happening because of the thoughts that you're thinking. So you've got to shift those thoughts about yourself and the catch that you are. And if that feels like uncomfortable for you, then I highly recommend getting a coach. I have a couple of spots available. And if I'm not the right fit for you, there's so much help out there. You were about to say something yeah, else? Yeah, one other thing came to me, and I don't know if this is true or not, but she said she couldn't keep a connection going on beyond a few weeks. And so one thing you might want to consider is what parameters do you have up on your search for men on the apps? I'm assuming it's men. Because sometimes we can start to curate online to be like, okay, he has to be between this height and this height, and he has to have like this color hair, and he has to be never married. And we put all these rules on it that we wouldn't have in real life. So maybe just take a look at like, 
where you can be more flexible with your search parameters. And maybe there's an area where you're really limiting. And that could be... I don't get that vibe from her at all. Because she said she can't keep a connection going beyond a few weeks. But what does that have to do? Sorry, maybe she's just attracting a limited set of men and there's some block there where she's, um, no, no, I don't think that. I think it, the block is within her and giving them the power. I mean, I completely agree with that. Yeah. I just think that. And then, and then, because then you say at the end here, don't want to scare guys off, but the game playing feeds my anxiety. You're the one playing the game. Completely agree with yeah. that part. I so, just think people tend to get limited. And so if these men are dropping off, then it's, yeah, I mean, it could be coming from her actions, but I just think sometimes we get really pigeonholed on these apps. Mm-hmm. Well, also what I think is interesting, oh, well, you say you've been dating for about six months and can't seem to keep a connection going past a few weeks. So it's not like, it, so it sounds like you are meeting them in person. But also I, I think another big thing that's missing here is do you like them? Right? Like I can't seem to keep it going. I, yeah. I, I I hear so often this happening. Like I can't tell if he likes me, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, what do you think? Right. You know, so really getting clear, do you like them? And sometimes I have thought I'm interested and then they end it with me. And I'm, I look back and I'm like, I think I was kind of hoping to be more right. interested or convincing myself that I was because I was like ready and wanting to connect with someone. And it was like, cool. They checked a few boxes and you yeah. kind of let yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and that's not me honestly trying to protect a bruised ego afterwards I'm like ah he wasn't really that great Mm -hmm. so with that when you're thinking thoughts like I'm just going to show up and be awesome and amazing and be present and show up the way I would want someone else to show up right so you're saying game playing gives me anxiety it's like then don't game play I'm not into game playing that said again if I don't hear from someone and I thought like we had a good thing going and he drops off or he thinks he can just like text me on on Friday at 5 p.m. to see what I'm doing that night. Like, no, I have boundaries, but those are things that you have to get clear on and refuse your brain <laughs> to indulge anxiety around. Just do I like this person? I get to choose here. I have the power to show up and be present. I have no interest in playing games. Mm -hmm. And again, that said, there's a little wiggle room for, I'm not going to just show up and be eager beaver, no pun, on every... Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) On every whim when he feels like showing up. So I hope that that helps. So yeah, and then the action is to show up and own yourself. And I always, I love getting dressed up for a date and getting hair and makeup ready and just feeling good and feeling yeah. sexy and feeling romantic. Try and a being, new place. Try a new place and explore your city. Also, I think anxiety is totally par for the course in the initial stages of dating. I was so excited to meet the guy who I'm now dating. I was really genuinely like, wow, if he is as amazing as he sounds on text messaging, we didn't speak live. And I just, thought his pictures were really attractive. But again, you just don't know until there's like that essence of the person when you're in person, right? And right before the date, I called my best friend and I said, can you go on the date for me? I told him this. He's like, thanks. I'm like, I get that way every time Mm -hmm. before a first date, especially the ones I'm really excited about. Yeah. And I 
asked myself, well, okay, if a client was texting me right now, I'm going on a date, I don't want to go, I'm feeling really anxious. What is the thought that you're thinking that's creating the anxiety? And the thought that I had was, and this is always the anxious thought I have, I, I just hope we both like each other. There's nothing worse when you're vibing the mm-hmm. person and you can tell they're not that into right, you right. or they're vibing you and you're like, oh, and and my guy lives two hours away. And I actually he was really great about initiating um, the plans for us to get together. And I said, listen, I'll come to you because I really just needed to get out of my space. And I was just holed up and working so much. And I had not dated for a, a, a good while. And I was thinking, well, this will make up for all the lack of effort I put into my dating life for a majority of the years. I focused on my business and I just thought it would be nice to get away. So it was nice for me to rent a hotel room and write. And I just made it a little getaway for myself. But then when I was there, I'm like, oh, the stakes feel so much higher (laughs) (laughs) because now it's this buildup and I drove all this way. And I just thought it's going to just suck. And then of course, I'm also very anti getting dinner for a first date, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. I driven this way. I, I, and he was like such a gentleman in all of our exchanges. He gave me a huge list of places that I could write my articles and all these different Mm -hmm. suggestions. And I knew he was going to want to take me to dinner. And I was just like, Oh, like what if you're just sitting through the dinner and you're just like, he's just not. And so I was just having all of those anxious thoughts. And this was nine weeks ago. (laughs) And I just said to myself, okay, and it would be awkward and I will fucking survive it. And it ended up being amazing, but I have had so many more of those anxiety ridden dates. And I'm here to say, yes, I'm still in a a very early stage in this new relationship, but if this turns into something that lasts a very long time, all of those awful, awkward dates were 100% worth going through all of those to get to this man. And even in this new relationship, I, I feel anxiety just trying to get to know someone and being my authentic self and being vulnerable and practicing what I preach. I always say I'm a human first. So it's scary to get to know someone and open your heart to someone and hope that he'll accept you for all of you and see your flaws and your weaknesses and not hold them against you. And it's, it's a scary thing. So I, I don't think anxiety goes away, especially in the, in the initial stages. So definitely accept it as Mm -hmm. part of the process, but check your thoughts because you're totally giving your power away and you're totally fixated on how you should be so that you can lock them down is essentially the way you're kind of phrasing the question. And it's sort of like what I think Elizabeth Gilbert says it like, oh, fear is always there. I just don't let it drive. I think the same thing with anxiety. Yeah. Like anxiety is always going to be there. It's part of life, especially in this like crazy modern world, but you just, you know, it sits in the back, it sits in the passenger seat, you drive and accept Accept that it's there and don't let it stop you. Amazing. Agreed. So this next question, I want to answer it, but it's a little bit vague, but we have some interpretations of what it could mean. During the moments when you feel yourself getting to the weak, sad space, how do you get out of it? I'm assuming you're talking about when you're heartbroken and you have two choices, You feel the sadness like all humans are going to feel in this lifetime. And 
I don't know if this person broke your heart yesterday. I don't know if he, she broke your heart six months ago, a year ago. And I'm not here to say, oh, well, if it was a year ago, you should do thought work, right? You could hear a song that brings back an old memory that totally triggers pain that you thought was healed. And who is anyone to say when you should be over someone? I mean, at the end of the day, if someone's still pining over someone after five years, I don't know. (laughs) There's going (laughs) to always be a time, right? But uh, you have an option to feel your sadness, move through it, be kind to yourself, breathe, meditate, take a yoga class, cry it out, lean on a loved one, or you can do your thought work. But the way that you phrase the question, right, is how do you get out of it? Mm. And so my instinct is to tell you, actually, you shouldn't get out of it. Be with your pain, be with your sadness. I obviously don't know you or your upbringing or how you've moved through other kinds of sadness in your life. But I, I know I can speak for myself that I was not raised in an environment where anyone told me at any time, I'm not just saying my parents, but I was never told that it was okay to cry. It was like, oh, come on, you'll you'll be fine. I think a lot of people, I know our generation was really taught, don't cry. Mm-hmm. And I actually think go feel your sadness, right? I don't think, that, I think it's um, the phrasing of the question, how do I get out of it? Actually, I think you need to clearly still move through it, regardless of how fresh or how raw it is, because sadness is not a bad thing. Yeah. And I think we are taught that it is. If I feel sad, that is bad. No, if you feel sad, you're having a very common human experience. And so be with that. I would encourage you to not numb out on alcohol, sugar, shopping, sex, whatever numbing device you choose. I like all of those, but (laughs) they're all good. (laughs) Um, I'm a huge fan of slowing down, feeling my feelings, crying it out, unplugging, disconnecting. I am also a huge fan of not saying yes to social obligations if I'm feeling low, mm-hmm. not just during heartbreak at any time. If I feel pulled in 9 million different directions and just need to recharge and be alone, I actually also encourage you to be alone with your sadness and not, I, I know I just said reach out to a friend, but what is it that you're so terrified to do when you're feeling sad? It sounds to me like you just want to get out of it. So I think feeling the feelings and moving through that consciously, locating the pain in your body, breathing through that, allowing space for it, being compassionate with yourself, not saying things like, oh, you should be over this by now. I hate feeling this way. Right. And trust me, I've said all of those things. (laughs) So feel your feelings, my love. It is okay. And the more you lean into it and are compassionate with yourself, the quicker it will pass. What do you think? Yeah, I I agree. I think the more we experience life, the more we know that feelings do pass and it's okay to sit with the hard ones. And, you know, it depends on kind of how your brain works. I know for me, I definitely let myself dwell and indulge in, in sadness in ways I never used to. Like you said, we were not raised to like dwell on hard feelings. Um, but these days, I mean, I went through a pretty tough time like a month ago where I was feeling like in a way I had never really felt before. And I thought, you know what? I feel like really sad and like kind of heartbroken and a little depressed right now. I'm going to give myself this entire night to just indulge. I'm going to lay on my couch. I'm going to watch the office. I'm going to numb out and just be here and feel this. And I said to myself, if I don't feel better in the morning, then I'm going to shake it up. I'm going to do something else. But sure enough, like one night of indulging my feelings, going, getting a good night's sleep, waking up, 
going for a walk and it, it tended to shift me out of it. And, um, you know, I just think we know that these things pass and you have to let yourself feel these things. But once again, know yourself, know what kind of boundaries you have to put up. And, you know, I just hate when people say like, listen to a happy song or like exercise, like those are all great things and they can work, but there are times when we just use them as a distraction. So if you need to feel something, like feel it out before you use all those things to like pump up your feel good hormones again. But one thing you did say was that you numbed out on the office and that that's not a bad thing, yeah. right? But it's like just being aware because I'm also, I, I had a client reach out and she's um, been through some pretty heavy, heavy, painful shit. And she's been on a three-year recovery journey and Um, The holidays are really, really challenging for her. Mm -hmm. And I've been working with her for almost a year. And she just reached out on a talk text and said, I am in it. And I just feel exhausted because I've been doing so much work with you, my therapist. She has a Reiki lady. She has a whole village and she's killing it and is so amazing. And I just love working with her. And she said, and I know I should do the thought work or meditate or surrender. I don't know. You're going to tell me one of those things. And I said, I'm going to tell you none of those things. Well, the surrender part for sure Mm -hmm. allow, but fuck the thought work, fuck meditation, right? She's like, none of this shit is working. I just heard her voice. It was so low. And I actually said, I, I would just do nothing. And if anything, I said to her, I don't know if you watch Parks and Rec yeah. or, but if like, you want to just like veg and watch like some funny TV or something that would just lighten you up or you just have, you can just like be and numb out a little bit, go do that. Or yeah. if, she's, if she said, I just want to fucking eat like a Ben and Jerry's quart of ice cream, uh, the organic mm-hmm. or like mm-hmm. vegan or yeah, something, yeah, James. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right. But um, I do think, but, but she's someone who never does that. And Jamie does tons of yoga meditation. She puts all the right shit in her body. So she asked herself, what do I need right now? And like, that was really healing for her. Yeah. So just really getting savvy with yourself that you're not completely escaping. Jamie isn't someone who's Netflix binging all day, every day. That was a nice little treat that was, you know, chicken soup for her soul. Yeah, right? completely. Yeah. And if it had gone on for like two, three weeks, I would have exactly. been like, okay, I got to check myself. I've got to do something. I've got to talk to someone, whether it's a therapist, a coach, a friend, Um, So yeah, like I said, you need to know yourself and trust that these things pass, but don't pass faster than it should. Yeah. So we have time for one more question because we've been talking for a long time Mm -hmm. and then um, we can answer, answer a couple of more on a second episode. Great. Yes. Yes. All right. This is a great question. You know why? Because she starts out with Irish. Well, (laughs) No, she didn't say that, uh, but she's still amazing. Okay. She's amazing because she said Irish American New York woman over here. Wow. What? And she then said, I'm so happy I found you. So she must think I'm amazing. Mm. Podcast question. I know so many great women, including myself. Yes, you are. Right. And it's not just because you're Irish American and living in New York. It's because <laughs> you know you're great. And so I love that you yeah. say that. Who are committed to working on themselves, healing old shit, therapy, talking things out with friends, and trying to become the best version of themselves emotionally, mentally, all the things. However, when I was listening to your podcast, I had this thought. I do not know many men, if any, who are doing this. Mm. It's maybe not their fault, could be a societal thing, but it made me kind of mad and kind of gave me a scarcity mindset. Why do we have to do all this work? Interesting. Jamie loves you, by the way. I do. I want them to. Just wondering what your thoughts are on that. I have many thoughts. Okay. 
Well, do you want to say something? Because I'll I'll give you a quick thought. One is that, look, first of all, there's not even that many women doing the work on themselves. I think people doing work on themselves is is a little bit rare in general. And I think you're right. I mean, in my opinion, I I think there's probably fewer men. They don't have the same (laughs) tools to explore this stuff. They're not encouraged in the same way, I think, as women are. But I do actually encounter a lot of men working on themselves. And maybe I don't know what your lifestyle is. I I don't work in a typical nine to five structured environment. I work in the health and wellness world. So I guess I come across more people who are introspective and seeking in different ways. And so my quick advice to you would be like, change up the people you're surrounding yourself with, go to you know, maybe try to meet people through yoga or the local health food store or whatever version of that you can find, because there are definitely men out there working on themselves and you just have to put yourself in the environments where you'll find them. I'm going to give a completely different answer. Yes, I, I, knew, I knew it. No, I agree with everything you yeah. said. I don't I don't think that there's anything wrong with what you're saying, but I again think it's a story to yeah, your point. I agree with you. And, and I think that that yeah. is what you're saying. The man that I'm dating now is probably the most and again, obviously early days. So sometimes you think someone's emotionally available and they turn out not to be or whatever. But I think with all the work that I have done on myself, whether this works out or it doesn't work out, I feel pretty intuitive and pretty clear that this is one of the most emotionally available men I've ever. I think he's the most emotionally available man I've ever dated. And I'm like, have you ever been in therapy? He's like, I did two sessions. And I was like, fuck this. (laughs) He has not done that kind of work on himself. And he's just available. Every fiber in my being trusts him. Mm -hmm. And we live over two hours apart from each other. And he has a demanding job and just a very full life. And I feel extremely cared for and adored. And I feel like I can speak about my feelings and he very much emotes and is amazing and present with me. And he does zero quote unquote work on himself. Hmm. So I would really investigate your need for men to do work on themselves for you to be interested. And you even ask the question, why do we have to do all this work? Who said you do? Mm-hmm. You don't have to. Right. Right. And I think it's a slippery slope to even think that we women do all this work and there are no men. And even if that that is the evidence that you are observing right now, A, why do you need them to B, no one says you have to just do the work and own that and show up and I also, I've talked about this before when I hear women say he needs to be college educated. Why? Right. I know so many successful people. I don't think that my college education, which was fucking expensive, uh, has anything to do with what I do now. Interestingly enough, I have a lot of clients from where I went to college. So that network has been pretty great, but I don't think my college degree has anything to do with what I do. And I'm making more money with this life coach certification yeah. program than I am. And, and and maybe education isn't about money for the people who require college education. And again, to each her own, but I would get really clear about your reasoning behind why you need your potential partner to have done the work or to be college educated or to make a certain amount of money. I think go make the amount of money that you need your partner to make. Really check yourself. What is it that you can give yourself that you're not giving him? Because you're saying you're doing all this work on yourself, but it's like that work isn't enough unless he's done it too. Because again, I'm, I truly think that this is like 
one yeah. of the best men I've ever met in my life. I hope he's not listening because we can't let his ego get too big. <laughs> and he's not like reading. So I, I was like reading him the Enneagram book being like, I think you're a six too. And he was like, I, I could be a six. I also <laughs> could be a three. I could, and I'm just like, no, like a six. And then he was so sweet. He was like, well, I just don't care what number Aww. you are. And I was like, it matters. (laughs) He was like, and he was like being polite and like trying to entertain me. And I'm like, let's figure out our numbers so we can like maximize our connection. He's like, Oh my God. I also have told him that I've created him with my brain because Mm. you guys know, I've been talking about belief man plan. And he's like, okay. (laughs) Right. But like, I don't need him to drink my Kool-Aid. I'm going to speak for him. He's never said this, but Mm. I think he thinks it's like, I think he like loves that about me that I like am so into this shit and he finds it interesting for sure. It's not that he doesn't care. I dated a guy last year. Remember short guy? Yeah. Um, yeah. This time last year. And he totally like eye rolled. He was interested in terms of like me being an entrepreneur and building a business, but he definitely was like not getting the whole life coaching thing. And he's like, I hate assholes. What? Ask holes. Oh my God. I mean, that should have been a red flag, but he was like saying it kind of jokingly, but like now looking back, I'm like, you're a fucking asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Which is worse. Yeah. Way worse. (laughs) Right. But like that guy didn't do work on himself either. And he had been through some shit and he was like, oh, well, I was like, oh, how did you move through that? And he was like, oh, I I just work out a lot. Mm. Um, I just don't think that it's true. And like, I just think about men who I know who are in solid relationships, who've never done quote unquote work on themselves and they just show up and they just are committed and they just do the work. So I would just shift your total belief around emotionally available men, right? It doesn't matter whether they've done work on themselves or haven't done work on themselves. Are they emotionally available? That I think I understand wanting someone to be emotional available. So then he's emotionally available. Who's the woman that I need to become to meet him? Because right Mm -hmm. now you're thinking thoughts that it's very, why should I have to? Mm -hmm. And I'm doing all this, but the guys I'm meeting aren't. And that's a problem. And the problem really is that you're thinking all of that. Yeah. I think something that you made me think of too, is that a little trap we get into those of us who are addicted to personal growth work, because I've gotten to this trap before too, is thinking that personal growth work, like that you've done the work means that there's some sort of external reward that you've deserved. Mm -hmm. Like I've put in all this work on myself. So this means I deserve a man. And I know plenty of women who do zero work on themselves and are in great relationships or in relationships with no, no, you know, struggle at all. So we tend to think like, I've done all this work. I've put in all this effort on myself. Why haven't I gotten the reward? And the only it's reward. very entitled. Yeah. Yeah. The only reward. And I've also been her. So Irish American, New Yorker, I got you. I've been there. I'm like, what? I'm doing all this work. It's not fair. And yeah. we're not saying that you're being a whiny bitch. No, no, we're no. just, yeah. And I know you're not saying that either, but like, we hear you totally. And yeah. The reward is a transformation that happens within you and it doesn't mean anything else shows up in your life. And like Claire's saying, the the guy doesn't have to have done work. You don't have to, it's just, you have to show up and be the most authentic, best version of yourself. Same with him. And yeah. And keep show. So, so yeah, I love that you say that the transformation is just for you 100%. And then when you want to create your ideal partner, your thoughts create your results and the thoughts you're thinking right now about him needing to show up in a certain way. Mm. I know now I'm like repeating that, but you also, you can be the transformation 
right? To heal yourself and show up and do the work and fall in love with yourself. And then you can also commit your brain to thinking thoughts to bring him in. I talk about this all the time, especially now, because I really believe I did create the new man in my life. I know I did. Jokes aside, I committed to a man plan every single morning. I really thought about Claire and her ideal relationship would be thinking what thoughts. And I had thoughts like, I love thinking about him coming home after a long day of coaching and just pouring a beautiful glass of wine and curling up and watching Bachelor and him eye rolling me, but like putting up with it because he thinks it's adorable that I'm a 12 year old trapped in a 38 year old woman's body. Do I technically do that right now with my man? No, we're on a hiatus and we don't really get to see each other on Monday nights. But I do believe one day if we spend Mondays together, he would show up and eye roll me and then pseudo get sucked into The Bachelor. Another thought that, or secretly get sucked, sucked in, another thought that I would have because I created my dream business this year and hit my business goals that if then I created an ideal partner, right? I go to the bigger picture. It's not just about him. The biggest thought that I would think is it's totally possible to have it all because I've either, and this is just my own personal journey, right? I've either had, success with acting, but I'm like nursing a broken heart or um, success with my business, but I table dating. I don't know if I've ever had a beautiful, healthy, exciting, amazing relationship and an awesome business. And I believe I addressed this on Insta stories. I think I addressed it in my last episode where someone said, um, if she had a dollar for every single time I talked about my 20 clients, maybe (laughs) then she'd be able to afford my expensive coaching and I talk about how my coaching is expensive because it is, and and again, expensive is a thought. Some people, when I tell them my rate, okay, no problem. Where do I sign? I just signed a client last week and she literally paid me on the phone. She was like, you are my coach. Like I, like it was a no brainer. Mm. And I understand why people would think it is a big investment. I'm very comfortable with it being uncomfortable for people because my coaches charge me uncomfortable prices (laughs) that I have to manage my mind around. And the whole point of this is your thoughts create your results in every single area of your life. And I've struggled with finances for so many years and me creating a business of 20 clients who are paying me a good amount of money to work with me is my transformation because I was this heartbroken, broke as a joke human for so many years. And so now it's like, holy shit, this is a dream to be able to do something that I actually love more than acting, which I never knew was possible to love anything more than acting and make a comfortable living and welcome space for a man that like literally blows my mind. And I'm sharing this with you. You can eye roll me and say, oh, easy for you to say. No, it's not easy. I have been doing this work. Jamie is a close witness to my own work and my own personal transformation. I have stumbled. I have fallen on my face. That fucking asshole last year, uh, he totally, like, I I can't say that I was heartbroken over him, but I was totally butthurt over him. And now looking back, I mean, who the person is I'm dating now versus that guy, he was such a tool, right? (laughs) But I realized, like, I was still limited in my beliefs around creating a man even a year ago. So I do know that this work works, but it has to come from a healed whole full cup of yourself. And then the, before you can even create him, you have to think and believe that the person exists first, like really Mm -hmm. and truly. 
And so that's really been the crux of my work with my current single clients is that they don't even believe he exists. So you have to like really go like, oh, wow, there's how many billion people in the world, right? How many people live in your city? And if you're just like, oh, well, it's my city and it sucks. I say this all the time. Then Mm -hmm. your result is going to be that it sucks and you're not going to find your person. I fucking we live in L.A., you guys. Yeah. L.A., and yes, I know my man lives two hours away, but we, I swiped on him here. So, you know, good men do exist. And we have friends who've met people online in L.A. I have dear friends who are dating and in serious relationships are married to artists, actors, yeah. writers. So really, and right before I met the guy that I'm with, he, um, I, another, um, limiting belief that I, that I was going to let go of is to not swipe on actors because oh, I had been, yeah. I had carried a story with me for so long that actors are trouble because my greatest toxic relationships were with actors. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, wait, all these people in my life are with amazing men who are artists. Mm-hmm. And, um, in LA, it's very clear when you're swiping on actors because their headshots are, are very actory. <laughs> and some of the very actory headshots, I'm like, definitely swipe left on just cause it's too actory yeah. for me, but to just really stay open because I'm all about being with someone who's so devoted to his craft and all of that. I have not ended up with an artist, but I love that I was willing to shift on being way more open because then I was like, wow, I've just like welcomed in a whole new pool (laughs) in this city and not to write them off as egotistical narcissists just because I knew how to pick them back in the day. So where are you holding yourself back? What are you believing about certain types of guys, right? Again, you might not live in LA or New York or Atlanta or New Orleans where there are actors, but who are the people that you're writing off? I had a client once who said, I don't want anyone who's like, just moved to the city. Mm. She's like, I don't want to have to take care of him. Who said you have to take care of him? But we live in like LA or New York, like these are transplant cities. So There are amazing catches coming and going. Believe that there are amazing catches coming and going. There are people going through divorces. There are people who are just getting new job opportunities. There are people who are inspired to change careers and they're going to grad school. Like stay open. Don't write these people off. And you can have boundaries with the new guy coming to the city. So I think we'll leave it at that. We've been chatting for long enough and we will answer more questions in the next episode. Thank you, Jane. Wow, that was amazing to listen to you just drop these amazing truth bombs. I'm sorry that I called you tough love earlier because I think it's <laughs> I think it's uh, I think you're on to something. Well, thanks, James. I feel like I won this round. <laughs> you're doing every round. <laughs> well, I always love having you, and we're gonna see you back in the next episode. Great. So, um, guys, follow Jamie. Which you can go to wholelifegems.com. Yeah, I'll put it in the show notes. She's an incredible health coach. She offers one-on-one coaching. And she's very limited on her spots, more limited than me. So treat yourself this holiday season. I'm not joking. Yes, she's my bestie, but I have learned so much from her. And if you are just feeling like you want to recharge and start fresh for 2020 or learn how to manage how you eat throughout the holidays and really show up in a much more conscious, healthy uh, way, you should contact Jane. Yeah. Our planet needs more healthy people, so... I'm here to I'm here to serve the planet way more healthy people. James is on a mission about that. So <laughs>
So much love, you guys. Until next time. Bye. Bye. My love, are you ready to stop wanting him back and find someone better? Then head on over to ClaireTheHeartbreakCoach.com and sign up for my one-year group coaching program. I can't wait to put a stop to your broken heart and get a start on your happily ever after. Oh,